Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to Circling the Bases, proudly presented by Rotoworld and NBC Sports. My name is DJ Short and welcome to our MLB postseason preview episode of the show. For today's show, I'm joined by some wonderful guests, Eric Samolski, a regular of the show, also fellow Rotoworld contributor George Bissell, and Brad Thomas from NBC Sports Bet. Fellas, thanks for joining me here. This should be fun. Looking forward to it. Yes, yeah, hey, George. George, uh, he actually got married over the weekend, so I should give my my congrats to George, <laughs> and also uh, thanks to your wife for letting us borrow you for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> we'll try yeah. to we'll try to make it quick. We'll make it short and sweet here, but uh, congrats. Thank you. Yeah, we're actually we're honeymooning right now up in Portland, Maine, so it's beautiful here. And she's actually sitting over there watching me do this. So thank you to my wife, Jamie. She's the best. And we're going to have a great show. Let's talk some playoff baseball. Let's do this. There's a lot of pressure to deliver, but George <laughs> took out took, took his time out like this. we got to make it worth a, worth a honeymoon record. Absolutely. Uh, it, what I love about this time of year is, you know, for so long, for six months, we've been thinking about what is the fantasy angle? What is the betting angle? But now you can kind of sit back. Yeah, maybe I will have some wagers on these games, but uh, it's mostly to have fun. You want to be entertained. You don't have to think in that fantasy lens during the postseason. So I'm um, very excited. Just and I'm the Mets are not in the playoffs, so there's <laughs> very little. There's very yeah. I hate to I'm break shocked. it to you. They still found a way to make make news today because David Stern just announced new president of baseball operations, which I'm excited about. But part of having your team in the postseason is all of the anxiety that comes along with it. Granted, I'd rather be in there than not, but sometimes it's nice to get a break too. You're just talking yourself into that one. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing it. I've been doing this for a long time. This is how I have to rationalize. You got to cope. You got to find coping mechanisms. That one feels usually like, it's uh, bad jokes. An easy way to, to 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 cool the letdown of such high expectations from the beginning of the season. I yeah. think we were we were robbed of one inning of Mets baseball today. I think that's what everybody <laughs> wanted to see. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know if I could have tolerated that. And we would have had to push back the podcast. And I know. That would have been, that would have been no good. So thank you very much, Marlins, for making the postseason and for Major League Baseball for not having them play the play one inning before the Marlins <laughs> go to their, their wild card series. But before we get started here with our preview of the wild card round, 
remember, NBA training camps uh, are starting, and here's your chance to get an assist with your fantasy draft with the Roto-World Basketball Draft Guide. Visit NBCSports.com and use the promo code HOOPS23 at checkout to score a 20% discount and a $10 e-gift card to Fanatics, as well as free season tools all year long with your draft guide. Purchase lots of interesting stuff happening in the NBA, uh, some major trades, uh, of course, Dame, the, the, big, the big trade here, but uh, lots of fallout from that deal. Uh, we saw Drew Holiday uh, traded over the weekend as well. So lots going on in the NBA, um, and our guys have done some great work on this on this draft guide and on the the uh, free side, the free site as well. Head to rotoworld.com, go to our basketball section to check all that out. But here we are. We're going to get into these wild card series, and we're going to start with the first game that we will see Tuesday. Uh, Rangers at Rays. Uh, the Rays are the the favorites here at minus 155. Rangers, uh, if you want to go for the upset, they're at plus 130. The Rays, you know, I, I, we were talking about this backstage before the show, Brad, about the home field advantage that the Rays have. They were great at home this season, but it's not quite the atmosphere that you'll see with the Phillies, et cetera. It's kind of a, just a little bit different atmosphere there. Yeah, it's it's absolutely different. Uh, you know, in the in the trop is an experience one in itself. I really do hope uh, the Rays faithful uh, starts purchasing up those tickets. I'd say they're probably a little less than fifty percent sold right now. And for those who don't know, they don't even open up the top part of the section. So ultimately, it's even less than that. Um, but it's funny too because when I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but like when you think about the Rays pitchers. They've pitched so well at home, but it's not like they've had this massive crowd advantage. It could just be the difference of playing indoors, like a legitimate indoor, no retractable roof stadium. Right. So the Rangers and Astros both finished with a 90 and 72 record, uh, but the Astros took the division by tiebreaker. So, you know, Rangers fans definitely psyched to have their team in the postseason, but it is a little bit of a letdown for the Rangers going into this wild card matchup where it, where it's a best of three. I mean, their season could be over on Wednesday. John Gray's out. Max Scherzer's out, at least for, for this round. So you look at what the Rangers' rotation at this point, Jordan Montgomery at the top, Nathan Eovaldi, Dane Dunning. But the Rays, they've, they've somehow made it this far with a ton of injuries as well. Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs as well. They've gotten by without them. And the Rays also have concerns on the position player side. Uh, Brandon Lau. Uh, Jose Siri, Luke Rayley, uh, iffy for the series. Lau, we're not going to see. But these are both teams that, you know, getting to the playoffs here don't really have their full contingent going into it. Yeah, you should also mention, I mean, you you mentioned Nathan Eovaldi, and it's certainly not the Nathan Eovaldi we saw for much of the season. I mean, when he yeah. came back from injury, velocity's down, effectiveness is way down. Um, so even though they have him back, they don't have the version of him back that, is you know striking fear into opponents. It's great that for game three they can turn to Cole Raggins. Oh no, wait, they can't <laughs> turn to Cole Raggins because uh, they traded him for Aroldis Chapman, who has been pretty hit or miss also since coming over. Um, and I, I just think that's the that's the story to me. Is like, yeah, I have concerns with the Tampa lineup. I mean, you didn't even mention Wander Franco, who's not in yeah. uniform for the playoffs, obviously. Um, but I just don't think Texas has the pitching staff to really take advantage of it, not only in the starting rotation, but the bullpen is just 
like really inconsistent. I mean, Will Smith and Aroldis Chapman have flashed at times in the season, but they've both kind of fallen off. Jose Leclerc is kind of their most reliable reliever. Um, and then you're pairing that up against the Tampa bullpen, which over the last couple of months with, you know, Jason Adam and Pete Fairbanks and Robert Stevenson, it's just like it's night and day in terms of, you know, who you trust in those late game situations. I think that's a great point about Texas's bullpen, Eric. There, there are some real concerns at the back end there. And for the Rays, Jason Adam has that oblique injury, so there's a chance he's not back uh, for the start of the series here as well for them. So the Rays bullpen, we always talk about how they like to shorten games. They have the guys with the different arm slots, and they can beat you so many ways. The starting rotation still has been pretty good for them. Tyler Glass now gets the ball for game one. He's been one of the best pitchers in the American League in the second half of the season. So I think the Rays, if you're looking at this series overall, they just have the pitching. And while their lineup's maybe not as deep as it was a few months ago, I think they'll be able to score enough runs against that Rangers pitching staff to, to win that series. Yeah, the Rays always find bullpen help <laughs> somewhere. And they got it. Robert Stevenson, Jake Diekman have been – have been great setting up for for Pete Fairbanks there and Kevin Cash is he's great at finding matchups and taking advantage of them. There he mixes and matches in the starting lineup as well, but picking these spots for his relievers uh, has been a big uh, big key to the the Rays' success here. So I, I do see the Rays as the favorites in this series. Tyler mm-hmm. Glasnow is the best pitcher on either side, as you said, he's been on a roll. So I would look for him to set the tone in Game One. Yeah, and they can move Zach Littell back to the bullpen for the series, yeah. which is where he was and was successful in the past. Um, you know, over since August 1st, uh, you know, I'm trying to take some like late game or late season sample sizes um, in mind, especially after the trade deadline. But since August 1st, like the Rangers pitching staff is 24th in baseball and strikeouts per nine, 19th in baseball and ERA. Uh, it's just not uh and they had Scherzer for a good chunk of that that two months, um, or a chunk of that two months. So I, I I don't know. I just I can't like maybe the offense can steal a win for them. Um, yeah. You know, if it I could see like maybe a game like who knows? I don't know how Eflin's been good enough that like I can't even say that I could see them getting to Eflin. Uh, it's it's tough. Um, it's a good offense. I just think the Rays are a more complete team. And like you said, Eric, they have other options, too, where they can go turn the ball over to Aaron Savali, Taj Bradley, Zach Littell, like you mentioned. If, like, Glass now or Eflin get in trouble early, they have options, guys, who can give them some length out of the bullpen. So the X factor, too, for me is Junior Caminero, their top prospect who came up. He hasn't exactly torn the cover off the ball, but he's the type of prospect where it wouldn't be shocking to see him have a big series here. Yeah, Camonero hit his first major league home run on Sunday. It was an opposite field home run. Good to see for him uh, as he makes that case for the postseason roster. I think it may depend on how healthy the Rays are going into Tuesday. Uh, we'll probably determine if he's on the roster from the start here. I think the Rangers lineup is better than the Rays lineup. Mm-hmm. I think you could definitely make that argument. Um, but I think the Rays pitching uh, advantage, both in the rotation uh, and the bullpen, um, has them as the favorites and and deservedly so. So, are we are we all aligned that it's that this is the Rays series? Yeah, I think yes. so. It's it's hard. Like when you get to the postseason MLB, you're not talking about how the bats are doing. You're talking about how the pitching's going. And with that advantage, it's like I don't care who's batting for the Rangers. You're just not gonna. It's not like it's the Braves lineup. You're not gonna just out out bat good pitching. 
Um, the price on the raise is, is still pretty pretty bleak at minus 164. So I'd probably just like probably like I'm probably gonna bet it because I'm a race fan, obviously, but a smart bet, I would have to just kind of pass on it. Right. There there is a virtual smorgasbord of options for for betting on these mm-hmm. series, you know, mm-hmm. how many games and I, you know who wins the first game and then who wins the series. So there's lots of ways to play it if, if you want to do it that way. But then you're always you're going for two outcomes instead of one. It can get tricky. But I think we're we're aligned that this that the Rays deserve to be the favorite uh, yes. in this series. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day, or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I think moving on to a more evenly matched, uh, uh, compelling series here is the Blue Jays and the Twins. Uh, The Twins are the slight favorites. uh, Minus 125. I'm using DraftKings, but feel free to go out there in the marketplace and see what you can find. Blue Jays, the the underdogs here, plus 105. Uh, what were you guys doing in 2004? Uh, for me, I had just graduated college, but I'm curious. What, what were you guys up to in 2004? There's a reason I'm asking. <laughs> I, I was in middle school. I, okay. I, I know the reason you're asking, too. Uh, I'm I was old. In my, I'm very old. Okay. I was, in my, I was in my sophomore year of college. Um, I was, I guess if we're talking about the playoffs, I was, um, you know, dealing with the, the Red Sox. Um, and getting over the Yankees collapse, um, turning the corner a little bit right there, that kind of like, uh, um, getting the monkey off the back. Right. Exactly. George, Brad and I are a little bit younger. So I was like, you know, (laughs) same thing middle school going, man, is this the year for the Red Sox or not? And I just remember feeling so down at the end of when they went down three games to none against the Yankees, you felt like it was the end of the world. And so to see them flip it like that was just surreal in that moment. Shout out to Tim Wakefield too. Absolutely. Um, RIP Tim Wakefield. One of the best. For sure. You see George Kirby threw a knuckleball yesterday. I did. And it was a nasty one. Yeah, it was. Yeah. We'll we'll have to look for maybe pitch mix changes for George Kirby uh, next season. But the, the reason I asked in addition to just feeling really bad about myself after (laughs) hearing you guys were middle school, but anyway, (laughs) that was the last time the twins won a playoff game, 2004. Wow. Uh, Yeah. They have an 18 game playoff losing streak, uh, dating back to 2004. I think they're going to get off the schneid here in this series against the blue Jays. Will they win the series? I don't know, but the twins have great pitching. Um, I, I really like their starting pitching. Pablo Lopez at the top, uh, Sonny Gray as well. Joe Ryan's been a little little off in the second half here, but Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray, the Twins should feel really good about them. And their lineup, well, there's a lot of if 
ifs and buts in the lineup in terms of health. Uh, they've got a lot of help from their rookies uh, this season, Matt Wallner, Eddie Julian. Um, so it, it's just a matter of how healthy they're going to be. Royce Lewis has been fantastic. Um, he's been sidelined with a left hamstring strain. We're not sure if he'll be healthy in time, but I think the Twins are a lot better team than people are giving them credit for. Yeah, I think that there's an early narrative about them um, in terms of them being like a weak hitting team, which mm -hmm. I think was was true for a large chunk of the season. Um, but they they have they have been better, um, and I, you know better relative they're not you know the atlanta braves out here um they strike out a lot and i think that's also feeds into the narrative too is like when you're when you're seeing like people that uh either play dfs or people that bet um you know individual games like people i know and myself included like hammer strikeout props against the twins oh yes um i you, you can make a lot of money doing that and you probably <laughs> could in the playoffs too but mm -hmm. they they still find a way to win those games um and, you know, they might still strike out a decent amount, but there are some good hitters in that lineup. They're not like the names aren't, right. you know, really exciting to you. But like Jorge Polanco has been good. Max Kepler has been really good. Like Ryan Jeffers has been good. You mentioned Walner. Like people hated Kyle Farmer because he kept Reds prospects out of the lineup last year. But he's been a solid major league regular um, you know, there's yeah. nothing overly exciting about it. And then, um, you know, like, e like even guys like Donovan Solano, Michael A. Taylor, like they're going to put up enough runs and they're relying on on pitching to win this series. And I, I the reason why I personally like them is I think we underestimate the Twins offense and I think we overestimate the Jays offense because of the high profile names in that lineup. Yeah, Eric made some really great points, especially about the Blue Jays lineup being really underwhelming this season. Guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just haven't been that monster in the middle of the lineup that we've come to expect. And to put some numbers on his stats, he went exactly where I was on the on the strikeout numbers. The Twins were seventh in OPS this year, but they led the majors in strikeouts. So that's the thing to watch. And Kevin Gossman led the American League in strikeouts. So the, the Blue Jays have the arms to be able to exploit those matchups, but I look at, like Brad was talking about, with the pitching staff and the advantage I think the Twins are going to have there is Pablo Lopez at the front has been excellent this season. And you have Sonny Gray, who's one of the best pitchers in the American League as well, nearly won the ERA title. Uh, and then you have Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober as well in, in a do-or-die game three type of situation. So I think the pitching staff is going to be enough, and that lineup can score enough runs to win that series. Yeah, when I look at the pricing, I – I want to take Blue Jays at plus 110 uh, just because I think they're a little bit more even. But when I was breaking down this series, I'm like looking at the rotation for the Blue Jays, and I don't know if it's going to be enough to win three games. Um, and, and excuse me, win out of three games. I would probably take this. A bet that I'm probably going to play in multiple series is this to go three games. It's a price around minus 110. Um, I think they have to get to either Lopez or Gray early. Um, because I don't think they're going to put up enough runs to to withstand uh, like a long uh, two to three kind of game, one to two kind of game. I think they'll lose. Um, and a lot of that has to do with how underwhelming their bats have been. Uh, but I think that's probably how I'm going to play this is the series to go three games at minus 110. At least that way, I don't have to worry about uh, a team and picking which side. And I can have a little bit of excitement if it goes to three. Yeah, I, I love that idea. And I think, again, if we're, you know, we're talking bullpens here, too. 
I think Minnesota has the better bullpen. And I know if you look at like season long stats, they're, they're kind of like the Rays. The Rays season long bullpen numbers don't look great. Minnesota's don't look great, but it is a different bullpen. I mean, there are a lot of guys that are, that are responsible for those inflated numbers that are gone. Like, you know, Jorge Lopez and Josh Winder and Jorge Alcala and stuff like that. We know, um, Yohan Duran is filthy. Caleb Fibar is really good. They may, they, Threw Louis Varland in the bullpen, and he looks really good. Um, Griffin Jacks, you know, even Emilio Pagan is a solid reliever. And I just like, I know that Jordan Romano and, and Jordan Hicks throw real hard. Um, and it's real enticing to just say, oh, that's a dominant bullpen. But they're both also prone to bad outings. And then yeah. what's behind them is like Chad Green is not looking that good. Like Eric Swanson, it, you know, fine. Like there's nothing in there that makes me fear. Whereas, like I think if the Twins have a lead in the eighth inning, I'm sure they feel pretty confident. Yeah. Seventh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like Chris Paddock is back too uh, for the Twins, and he's looked great. He's thrown in the high 90s again. Like I don't know how much he's really going to be a factor in a three game series. Maybe he will be, but I think the Twins bullpen is better built for long success in the postseason than. Yeah, in the fifth inning, they could turn the ball over to Paddock or Varlin and have them go two innings and shut things down. So that's that's a great point, and that's an X factor to watch with that series. Yeah, no doubt the Blue Jays have the, the lineup of the names that you know. You know, George Springer, Brandon Bell, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, I mean, Dalton Varsho, Matt Chapman. They have the names. The Twins don't. But I think people are going to be surprised by by how good this Twins team could be during the postseason. We'll see if Carlos Correa will be a factor. Has dealt with that plantar fasciitis mm. pretty much all season. Hasn't had a good year. I think he's going to be on the roster, but it'll be interesting to see how much he plays, how comfortable he is. Byron Buxton, I'm not sure if we're going to see him at all, but maybe that's for the best at this point. So let, let's sum it up here. I I think the Twins take this series. Curious what you guys think. Twins in three for me, and I think it's wild that we, you know, mentioned the Twins without Correa, Royce Lewis, and and Buxton, and and <laughs> we're saying that. But yeah, uh, Twins yeah. in three. Yeah, Twins. They don't have three. to. They don't have to play the Yankees. That's what's really yeah. crushing their postseason. That, that is the key. <laughs> it's time for them to get the monkey off the back. First playoff win since '04. It happens this week. Nice. There you go, Twins fans. We just uh, just jinxed you. Um, all right, let's move to the National League. Uh, Diamondbacks at Brewers, and we should say all three of the games during the Wild Card Series will be at the the home site of the top seeded team. So, uh, in this case, the Brewers, and the other series we we're talking about uh, will be Minnesota and Tampa Bay, respectively. Uh, so, into the National League, we said here Diamondbacks at Brewers. This is the first postseason. Uh, since 2017 for the Diamondbacks, the Brewers are the heavy favorites here at minus 170. Diamondbacks at plus 145. Again, this is on DraftKings, but feel free to shop around. Pitching. It all comes down to pitching, and the Brewers have the clear advantage here, especially because the Diamondbacks, they had to play up to the last day to even mm-hmm. get into the postseason. So they didn't get to line their rotation the way they wanted. The Brewers are a very different situation. So, you look at game one, I don't think there's a bigger mismatch, even though Brandon Fought has pitched better recently, but Brandon fought up against Corbin Burns in game one. Clear advantage for, for the Brewers here, but, you know, it's baseball. Anything can happen. Yeah, anything to an extent, and I know I'll jinx it. Right <laughs> now. I mean, yes. Uh, I, 
yeah, I, I think um, I think that's the story of the series. And you know, obviously, we're going to give more in depth analysis than that. But like Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta is maybe as good of a top three as you're going to get in any rotation in the the postseason right now. Um, you know, Peralta has been great in the second half. Woodruff for the last two years, when he's been healthy and on the mound, production wise, I don't really know that there's a pitcher that like consistently rivals him. Um, I know, you know, like we can talk all we want about like Strider who, you know, we'll mention later and, you know, guys like that, but Woodruff has just been electric when healthy. Um, he's going to get a tough matchup against Gowan, who's also been really good. Uh, and I think, my take is obviously that's going to be an elimination game for the Diamondbacks. I don't think that Fought is going to outduel Burns. Um, and so that's really interesting. And then listen, listen Merrill Kelly and Freddie Peralta does another good pitching matchup. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So there, there's some good pitching here. I just like the pitching more on the Milwaukee side. And Milwaukee since August has, has been a really solid offense. Um, you know, they are, uh, 11th in baseball in in weighted runs created plus um you know they're hitting the ball pretty their slugging is is down they're not really hitting a lot of home runs but they're you know batting average is up rbis are up um strikeout rate is down so i, I kind of like them in their home environment it's a strange mix of characters in their lineup where you have like josh donaldson tyrone taylor <laughs> they're playing prominent roles it's kind of un- unthinkable but the thing I go back to is Brandon fought when he struggled, it's been with the home run ball and this is not the ballpark to have that type of issue come up and the brewers can take advantage of that. So that's where I lean in the first game. The one variable I look at that could be a factor in this series is Arizona's team speed, not just Corbin Carroll. They have a ton of guys who can run and make things happen on the base paths where if they get into a small ball, low scoring game, they might be able to scratch out a run or two and and get back into a game uh, if if the series looks like it's going that way. So that's the one area I look at Arizona. I think that could make things interesting. And Devin Williams, I mean, DJ, you were talking about the rest and lining things up. He hadn't pitched in so many days that the Brewers last week were like, we have to get him in some games. He hasn't pitched in a week. So there might be some rust components there for Milwaukee's bullpen. So I just think those are small things to watch. But overall – the, the pitching advantage for Milwaukee is, is big in this series without Gallon going game one. Yeah, when I saw uh, Fod announced as the as the pitch the starting pitcher for the Diamondbacks, I actually texted my group chat and I said, "So are we just going to hammer Brewers game one?" And I actually think that's probably the smartest way to play it. You get a little bit of better price at minus one eighty four. Just and and I know the the juice appetite for a lot of casual betters or recreational betters is not very high. They don't want to play something that has a big minus sign in front of it, but we have to talk about implied odds. I think you have a better chance of winning that game one matchup, isolating it as much as you possibly can and not have to worry about a minus 200 for the series. Just win game one and then you can enjoy the rest and do whatever you want with your profits. Uh, I just think the pitching matchups is a massive advantage here. We've talked about the Brewers in, in previous years, how they are built for a long postseason run with this rotation and this bullpen. And I still think that's the case here. It is kind of a ragtag group as far as uh, their offense. Christian Yelich, who has reestablished himself this year, no doubt about that. Uh, William Contreras has been their their MVP among position players here. But then you have Carlos Santana, midseason edition. Mark Canna, 
uh, Josh Donaldson, as you said. So this isn't quite the group that you would think would be, you know, a top seed in, in this wild card round. Garrett Mitchell's back, who I think could be an X factor uh, for the Brewers in this series. Was was got off to a really good start uh, before it was his shoulder that he hurt. Mm. He was out for yeah. a long time, but he's back here now. He should be starting in center field most likely during this series. I am excited to see Corbin Carroll on the big stage for sure. If you haven't really had a, got a chance to watch him yet, and maybe you haven't, you know, playing in Arizona, but he is so fun to watch. And it's amazing the kind of power that he can generate, uh, you know, given his small stature relatively, but he's a lot of fun. Yeah. I love that George brought up the the run game because I, I think that catchers, obviously I'm going to support anything that, that promotes <laughs> the value of a catcher. Um, but listen, like uh, on the flip side, Gabriel Moreno has been elite at cutting down the opposing running game. Um, and Contreras, while he has been an MVP, you know, of the Brewers, as you mentioned with his bat, like his, his caught stealing rate is 18%. That's, that's 31st in baseball. Gabriel Moreno's is 48%. Um, it is tops in all of baseball. So we know Milwaukee likes to run with some of their young guys too. Um, you know, there is a, there is a world in which the Diamondbacks have a huge advantage in the running game, which can steal some, you know, some runs in a really tight series. Um, and then I, the other thing I'm watching is just whether the Brewers get a little too cute with the lineup. Um, the last two games of the regular season, uh, Tyron Taylor was in the lineup, um, even with Mitchell back, but those were against lefties. Um, the two games prior against righties, Tyron Taylor was not in the lineup. Um, this is a guy that hit 291 with five home runs in September and is probably one of their hottest hitters right now. And I know that he's not a huge name and having Tyrone Taylor on the bench shouldn't swing a series, but he's playing very well right now. And I, it would be unfortunate if, you know, the Brewers maybe outthought them, you know, uh, Sal Frelick and Blake Perkins and, you know, doing this kind of dance with putting Kana in the outfield and letting Rowdy Telez, who hasn't delivered, be in the lineup. So I, that's one thing I'm just looking out for. I know we blurbed it that Taylor was dealing with some sort of minor oblique issue. So I, well, I hope that's maybe just a maintenance thing where it wasn't, a, you know, a, a decision for anything more than that. So that's that's the hope there, I think. Okay. Yeah, the Brewers, the Brewers had mentioned they wanted to basically get Mitchell in the lineup as much as possible after he got off the IL to to make a decision to see. But I yeah. do think it could have just been playing around with different combinations to see what worked best for them. Um, but you know, fingers crossed. I like Brad's approach where you you go in all in on game one there, and then yeah. maybe later on in the series, games two and three, if they're low scoring games, that's where we see Arizona's running game, the small ball yeah. and a low scoring game. Maybe that's where this becomes a real exciting series. But the Brewers have to do some damage in game one if they're going to win yeah. the series. That has to happen. Yeah. It's a must 100%. win for the Brewers in game one. Uh, no doubt about that. And we, we should mention all of the rules that we saw this year, the new rules in terms of, uh, you know, uh, throw over limitations and bigger bases and the pitch timer, all that stuff will still be in effect during the postseason. So while we, while we've gotten used to MLB postseason games, just being this complete slog of, you know, train of relievers coming in, the games are three or four hours. It's going to have a different feel to it this year. I'm excited to see it with the urgency of a playoff game, but also the urgency of pace of play. I think it's going to be a much better product. Yeah. Um, and we should just, since we're hitting on it in every game, we should just mention that obviously the Brewers bullpen is similarly lights out. 
Um, I mean, Devin Williams is great. And then as they seem to do all the time, like Abner Uribe, uh, Joel Piamps, like Holby Milner, like these guys are are just invented these people. They invented Um, these human beings. Yeah, like Trevor McGill has like 14, a 14K per nine and, you know, a mid threes ERA as like an afterthought because he was like a nobody reliever for the Twins and the Cubs. Yeah. And, the, and you know, he's been good. Milwaukee develops relief pitching really well. And that's another thing where like, you know, you're not just getting a starting pitching advantage. You know, you're getting like a whole up and down the, the roster pitching advantage. So across the board, we all like the Brewers. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I'm isolating just game one for me. So. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Fair hey, enough. Hey, okay. Hey, Brad, is there a prop you could bet on for pitch timer violations? Because I'd take the over on whatever Craig <laughs> has if you can. Oh, my God. I wish you could. I wish you could. There might be. Uh, okay. Moving on to our last wild card series. And we'll talk bigger picture after that. But. Uh, Marlins at Phillies. Uh, Phillies the strong favorites, uh, minus one eighty-five. Marlins at uh, plus one fifty-five. If you want to take a shot on the upset, uh, the Marlins actually took the season series over the Phillies seven out of thirteen matchups. But this is a different Marlins team than they would like to have going into the postseason. Uh, fair to say, Sandy Alcantara has the UCL sprain. <clears throat> He's not going to pitch. He may not pitch until 2025. We'll we'll see. Yuri Perez has been shut down as well, so they're not at full strength pitching wise going into the postseason. But uh, I think you know the Phillies look like the clear favorites in this series. But the Marlins are throwing a pair of left-handers to start this series. Jesus Lizardo, uh and Braxton Garrett. And if there's any vulnerability that the Phillies have, it's left-handed pitching. Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, Brandon Marsh probably isn't going to play. Uh, with Lizardo and Garrett pitching. So I wouldn't rule out the chance that the, that the Marlins could actually make it somewhat interesting here. The, the Marlins are the quintessential team that you look at and you say, okay, they don't belong, right? Yeah. They're, they're 12 games under 500 against playoff teams this year. Yeah. They are under 500 against teams that are, that, that are over 500. Like they don't, they don't beat winning teams. Um, their stat, season-long stats don't really match up. It should be a route. But they're a feisty team that people laughed when, you know, we thought about them making the playoffs this year and they're here. Um, And so it really wouldn't surprise me if this went three games, even though everything on paper says it shouldn't. Um, You know, the Marlins are not positioned, in my opinion, to take advantage of like the real weaknesses in the Philadelphia starting rotation. Like yeah. Aaron Nola is liable to a blow up game at any point. Um, you know, Ranger Suarez and Christopher Sanchez have had moments, but they're not starting pitchers where, you know, if you see one of them in game three that you're like, oh God, how are we, you know, it's not getting Freddie Peralta in game three, you know, it's not even getting Merrill Kelly in game three. Um, and so if the Marlins can get there, there's like a real uh, nervous anxiety I, I could sense from Phillies fans in, in that game three situation. They just ha- they also have a massive home field advantage. Yeah. Philadelphia does. The Marlins have the massive disadvantage there. I mean, the Philly fans are raucous in general. Um, they're going to be wild for this playoff atmosphere. Um, a lot of these Marlins guys have never, you know, seen meaningful at bats um, in the postseason. And then the other just kind of like big elephant in the room is like, is Luis Arias healthy? 
Um, he's going to be in the lineup. Skip Schumacher already came out and basically said nothing's going to keep him out of the lineup. But but can he can he move enough to play defense? Is he a station to station guy anyway? Is their season going to be ruined because of the, an entrance for the closer that you know got their one of their best hitters out? Um, and so yeah, that, I mean, they already had defensive issues. If he's a liability on on defense up the middle too, that's another issue. So I know where Brad's going to go. It's pitching, pitching, pitching in this series, and he's talked about it. And we also talked about the advantage of being able to line up your pitching staff, and that's what the Phillies had by clinching early, where they were able to get Zach Wheeler in position, Aaron Nola as well. One of the things about Aaron Nola is that, yes, he is prone to that occasional blow-up start, but he's pitched extremely well when he's been on extra rest. So that's going to be a factor here as well. He's tended to pitch well in those spots before. So the Marlins, it's going to have to take something weird for them to, to win this series, I think. There's just a huge uh, advantage, I think, for Philadelphia on the pitching side right now. And even looking at game two, like Braxton Garrett hasn't gone past you know five or six innings in a long time. So that might be essentially a pseudo-bullpen game for Miami in game two. So I just think there's a lot of things that aren't in their favor early on in this series. Yeah, I'm actually pretty excited to bet this. I think this is really poorly priced. I, I would probably have the Phillies closer to minus 250 to win the series just because of the fact of the advantage of home field at uh, in the third game if it goes three. Um, I'm going to take the Phillies to win the series here. Um, I'm also going to take a little small small sample on uh, this series to go three. I'd definitely have to shop because I'd want to get a little bit better than minus 110. But like even even in the two wins that what both Garrett and Lazardo have over the Phillies, like they didn't pitch gems. Like I think it was like six runs, seven runs for Lazardo, and then like five runs and six runs for Garrett, and that and like a ton of hits, nine run, nine hits in one of the one of the games. Like it wasn't one of those. They weren't outings where they were just beautiful. So for me, it's definitely I'm not going to say pitching uh, m- matchup, but you guys know what I'm thinking, and I just think that overall for the Phillies, the price is wrong. Uh, better rotation, better advantage, better bats, um, healthier team. A lot of that goes into the price. I thought it would come out like closer to minus 250. I was really surprised to see minus 200. Maybe if you want to get frisky, you take like Phillies minus 200 to win the series and parlay it with the Brewers. Um, And then if anything happens, it goes three games in the Brewers series and the Phillies clean up in two. Then you could come back and you could put a little bit on Arizona because you'll you'll be getting plus money. So you can at least uh, risk half your stake. Yeah, and the, uh, I totally agree with with all of that. I think there's an interesting idea where, like, may, if the you know the Marlins decide to piggyback, like you know George mentioned a bullpen game with Braxton Garrett, like with Edward Cabrera, who's looked good in like three four inning stints. Like, could you get a Braxton Garrett Edward Cabrera game in which you know both guys have major question marks? Cabrera has in games where he can't find the plate, but if he's on, he's going to be hard to hit, and that's where I think like this game gets weird and and goes to three games is the Marlins have guys where it's in the range of outcomes for them to do real damaging stuff, either with the bat or on the mound. Um, I do think the Phillies bullpen is a little bit underrated Um, in, in September, the bullpen Philadelphia's bullpen is fourth in baseball in strikeout rate um, at almost 29%. That's, basically right behind the twins and rays who we talked about earlier having like pretty elite bullpens at the end of the year. And Philadelphia is only a little bit of a notch below them. Um, and so to me, that's a, a something in their favor. Um, and Miami's bullpen 
uh, has been pretty much middle of the road um, at the tail end of the season. So I think it's a bullpen advantage for Philadelphia, which is, you know, could help swing it one way. Yeah, Tanner Scott is a, is a really underrated reliever uh, from the left side as well. That could be a key for the Marlins if they're making competitive here. Scott's pitched multiple innings before in his appearances, so I think that's something to watch. Uh, if the game is close and late, we could see a lot of him. Uh, Kim Ng de- deserves a lot of credit for what she did at the, the deadline, bringing in Josh Bell and basically a giveaway type of trade, and Jake Berger as well. If there was something the Marlins were missing, it was that punch in the middle of the lineup, so now you have Soler, you have Bell, you have Berger. Chisholm has great raw power as well. The lineup's a lot more balanced than it was before, but if a rise isn't 100%, it's not not quite the same. I still think the Phillies take this series in, in three games, but I think the Marlins could surprise some people. Are we aligned on that too? <laughs> Agreed, yeah. Yeah, agreement here. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, all right, so we are going to talk World Series odds, and man, before we do... Get your popcorn ready for Sunday night this week. All the stars will be out in Northern California when Micah Parsons and the Cowboys clash with Christian McCaffrey. The touchdown machine Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers coverage of this battle between two of the best teams in the NFC begins at 7 p.m. Eastern this coming Sunday only on NBC and Peacock. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So like I said, we're going to talk big picture here we just talked wild card series but uh let's look a little bit further into the month here with our world series odds brad i'm gonna lean on you a bit here i'm, I'm looking at the DraftKings uh odds but obviously feel free like i said earlier in the show shop around in the marketplace for you know the best odds best prices for you the braves are the strong favorites among the group here at, at plus 310 you have astros dodgers plus 450 Orioles at plus 700 Rays at plus 1,000, Phillies plus 1,300. How are you feeling about these early prices here, Brad? Yeah, some of them are kind of gross, right? Like (laughs) Braves coming in at 2.6 plus plus 260. Uh, They have their own pitching questions as well. Um, I would have probably priced them at plus 400, which would be a pass for me. But for anybody who follows me on Twitter, I I know that I bet the Braves preseason, and I bet them again at 4-1. to Um, but I would not bet them again at at, at uh, plus two sixty. Even the Astros pricing is a little gross. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, five to, me, to one. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this off offline, but if there were to be uh, a team that I'd want to roll over their bets, basically what that means is bet their series and just take that money and bet their series throughout the rest of the World Series. It would be the Astros because I I did the math 
And these are just like baseline projections. Um, even if they face the worst team possible in each of their uh, each of their series, you could get closer to six and a half to one, um, which is better than the five to one number that's sitting right now. So basically, what you yeah. do is let's say uh, the Blue Jays win, you'd bet the series price for the Astros, then you would take it and you take the series price for. We'd have to need at least the Rays to win, probably, um, but uh, take their series price against the Rays. Then uh, the World Series price, you take that and you just keep rolling the money over, which should get you closer to six to one. But I think the the what's funny is as betting becomes more popular, um, we're going to start to see more egregious numbers towards the bottom. Uh, the Marlins at uh, forty five to one plus forty five hundred is probably the most mispriced thing I possibly could say, and not in a good way. Um, you're telling me the Marlins. Uh, I would probably price them probably close to 60 to one, maybe 70 to one, but you know, books aren't going to do that because they're going to want to cut down their liability. Um, so it, it's funny. It, it's really funny to look. I have a couple of teams that I would be interested in. Maybe the Phillies at 12 to yeah. one, they're probably like the most one. appropriately priced. They have the bats. They have the pitching to, to, to withstand a long run, but then like, like look, think about the Rangers. Uh, sorry, I'm going on the soapbox here, but no, I okay. love this, this kind of stuff. It gets me excited. Like think about the Rangers when the Rangers had a healthy rotation, they were 20 to one. Now all of a sudden they are in a worse, a worse situation. Cause now they have to play in the wild card. Now they play on the road in the wild card and they're still 20 to one. Like th- there's just pricing out here. I think that I don't want to like call any sports books out, obviously, you know, but like books kind of take advantage of the bigger names and they don't really factor in situation because they know that the, the casual sports bettors are going to bet on these teams. I mean, that's a great point. I didn't know you were going to go all in on Houston here, but that was actually going to be my pick. If we look at things, I just really like their pitching staff. I think they just have so many guys and we saw it the last few postseasons who can just get outs and it doesn't matter what role they're in. Uh, you have yeah. obviously at the top of the rotation, Framber Valdez and Justin Verlander with all of their postseason experience, but you have guys like Christian Javier and Jose Arquiti, Hunter Brown, JP France, where they're comfortable pitching in relief as well. So I just think they have so many ways uh, to, to drive down run production for opposing lineups that, and their bullpen's phenomenal as well. So I like their lineup too. They, I mean, even guys like Chas McCormick, Yander Diaz, like they're deep, they have talent there. And you have the, the guys like Jordan Alvarez who lead the way, Kyle Tucker, Jose Kyle Altuve. Tucker. Like, they can just beat you so many ways. They can win so many different types of games. I think that versatility is what's going to help them get to the World Series and, and ultimately, you know, win it. Uh, I can't believe I'm going to say it out loud, but I think if the Twins win the first round, I think the Twins beat the Astros. Um, I, I hear everything. I hear everything you're saying, George, um, but I just think it's Framber and Verlander, and that's it. Um, yeah, you know, Javier has a 4.84 ERA in the second half of the year. Um, I had Hunter Brown on far on a lot of fantasy teams, and you know the second half of the year was not fully kind to him. Um, this is a young pitcher who, you know, has gone above, uh, gone above. Sorry, his uh, his innings pitched um, for his career. Uh, he had a 6.57 ERA in the second half of the year. Um, Jose Urquidy has some issues as well. Um, you know, we we talked about. I think the Twins have a major pitching advantage um, in that series. I mean, we talked about how good the Twins pitching staff has been. um, And the Houston pitching staff, Houston starting pitching from August 1st on is 22nd in baseball with a 490 ERA. Um, And the Twins are fourth in baseball. 
Um, if you look at you know bullpen over the last month, the Twins bullpen is the highest strikeout rate in all of baseball, um, and the you know the Astros bullpen is fine; it's twelfth. Um, but I, I just think the Twins like. I know it's hard to keep that lineup in check and there is like the baseball fan in me that's like there's no way you could possibly predict this Twins lineup to beat that Astros lineup. Um but if we are saying that pitching and defense matters in the postseason, I think the Twins would have a major pitching advantage not in name value but in in performance um in that series and I could see it just getting weird. I think, like you said, if it's low-scoring games, the Twins have a shot and they can win that series. If it's a slugfest, like the Astros lineup, if they can't keep them in check, I think Houston has a real shot at beating them. So that would be a real compelling series, and I think you made some really great points, and I want to see it play out because I think it could go either way depending on what types of games they are. I'd love to see it, and I think that's the reason. I I have Tampa um, – going to the World Series from the AL. I think the AL is wide open. Um, I really do think the Felix Bautista injury really hurts Baltimore. I mean, that bullpen has not been the same at all without him. Um, I can assume that that Baltimore-Tampa series is going to be really close, and that's a major bullpen advantage now for Tampa. Um, And then, you know, you have the, you know, the kind of intrinsic things that nobody wants to talk about because they just want to talk about, like, you know, data, but... There's a lot of really young players in Baltimore getting their first taste at this level of baseball. Um, And yeah, they're professionals and they've played in big games in their careers before. And nobody's saying that they're going to totally, you know, like do nothing. But Tampa's been here. They've done this. They they know how to rise up. They know how to respond. Um, You know, I think... If they make to the second round, there's a chance they get Brandon Lau back. Was what I was reading. Um, yeah. So that that deepens the lineup a little bit. We haven't even but, mentioned Randy Orozarena yet. Like right, this is exactly. this okay. is his month. Um, he woke and, up today. What? Well, yesterday was October first, but yeah, like this is he woke up ready to go. And yeah. and the the Orioles lineup has they're good. They're fine. They're, I, I'm excited for Baltimore. I'm ready to like root for them as a fan of baseball. Um, I just see it being tough to beat Tampa in that series. Yeah, there's such a wide range of outcomes. Uh, Brad, what are your thoughts on the Dodgers? We haven't talked about the Dodgers. What do you think about them from a betting standpoint? Because that's one of the teams you haven't hit on that I'd be interested yeah. in your thoughts on. The Dodgers is such a hard team because they get so much respect in the marketplace um, to where betting them becomes almost impossible game to game. Uh, series to series is going to be difficult. I think they're in trouble. Um, we know the bats get hot, right? Like we obviously say that and – but their pitching staff is, is is in shambles, and but they maybe have two guys in the rotation that I would trust um, for them to make a deep playoff run, like especially up against like Atlanta, right? Like let's say it does become Dodgers versus Atlanta, I wouldn't even blink twice about betting Atlanta over Dodgers, regardless of if Fareed plays or not, like if, if pitches or not. Like I, I just and, and this is me. I love the Dodgers. I have multiple Mookie Betts jerseys. I wish they were in a better situation, but. There's no way I have them coming out of the National League. I just the pitching's just not there. And and let's talk about the bats for one second too. Like I, I watch every Dodgers game, every single one. Dodgers go through the worst slumps of batting for a for a strong team. They will go through games, three game stretches where even if they win, they have like three hits, four hits, and that's just how they are this season. A lot of that has to do with they have a lot of old players, a lot of veterans who know, you know, sometimes. You don't need to go out there, tear the cover off the ball to win games. But I think that catches up with them 
especially as you get to the postseason and you're only facing the best arms. Uh, their arms just just can't compete uh, as a grand scheme, especially not at four to one. Like, are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, yeah. I think the Dodgers lineup is top heavy. The rotation, you know, you're relying on Clayton Kershaw, who's acknowledged like there's something going on there physically. Yes. Uh, Bobby Miller and kind of uncharted territory for himself, and then like, who do they use as or trust as a number three starter? Is it Lance Lynn, the kind of pitcher you don't know <laughs> which version of him is going to show up on any given day? Ryan Pepio, like they've never had this much uncertainty in the rotation going into a postseason before. Yeah. yeah so- I- They've really had to rely on the bullpen, um, and it's a good bullpen. And so you're you're going to see them try to shorten games like excessively. But you know, again, like I guess it's the same matchup um, pseudo upset call in in reverse or on the other side. But yeah. I think if the Brewers face the Dodgers, um, you're giving that Brewers starting rotation a chance to thoroughly outpitch the Dodgers starting rotation. Um, and I do think that could swing the favor, the that series in favor of Milwaukee. Obviously, it requires Milwaukee to put up runs, and we've seen that offense go quiet for for long stretches. But as Brad pointed out, like this is not that impenetrable Dodgers team. And I think they're gonna be at a starting pitching disadvantage in basically any matchup where they face the Brewers. Because yes. this version of Kershaw is not better in my opinion than Burns. Lance Lynn is not better than um, Brandon Woodruff. Like Bobby Miller doesn't match up with Freddie Peralta. Like it, it kind of goes on like, and it's weirdly like, you know, Pepio and who is it? Like Wade Miley is there for um, like mm-hmm. that, that might be a toss up. Like Wade Miley is boring, but he's a solid pitcher. Um, yeah, he, and he's the type of guy that too. like when he is your fourth starter in a, you know, and you need him to just go five innings in a playoff game, like he can do that. If Walker Bueller were healthy and had the stamina to be able to work, you know, five, six innings, that would have been a, maybe a difference maker for the Dodgers in the playoffs, but he's obviously not going to pitch. So, it's too so bad. let's talk about this other side of the NL bracket here, which I find really fascinating. You know, we, we do favor the, the Phillies over the Marlins, so we think it could be close. But then... We go into a five-game division series scenario, potentially, uh, between the Braves and the Phillies again. And last year, the Phillies beat the Braves in that very situation and went on to the World Series. And I I think top to bottom, the Braves are the best team in baseball. I don't think there's any disputing that. You look at the lineup, it is just insane, the the firepower that they have. Uh, Acuna, 41 homers. Azuna, 40 homers. Matt Olson, 54 homers, Austin Riley, 37. It is just a really tough lineup to go through. But I think it's, over the course of a seven-game series, it's a lot harder to beat the Braves because I think that that quality kind of rises to the top. But the five-game scenario, I think, makes it a lot more feasible to think that a team like the Phillies, who did it last year, could knock out the Braves out of the postseason. I agree. Um, I, I just I try to find every reason not to back such a heavy favorite. Like mm-hmm. there's gotta be some reason somebody can take down the Braves. Uh, I'm sure that, and listen, I'm sure there is something's going to happen. Um, you know, their starting pitching is good. Um, but you know, we know if we get like a mediocre Spencer Strider game, um, that they're, they're vulnerable. Um, you know, in August from August on their starting rotation is 23rd in baseball with a ERA of five. Um, so there's a weakness right there. Yeah. It just so happens that 
the Phillies starting rotation has an ERA of 461. So that's not like a huge advantage. Um, I just think that the Phillies are not really positioned to take advantage of the weaknesses that the Braves have. Um, and if it's an all-out slugfest, I just favor that Braves lineup in an all-out slugfest. So as someone who's a Boston sports fan, just had to watch the Celtics improbably lose in the playoffs to a far less superior team and the Boston Bruins uh, losing the playoffs to a far less superior team. Anything can happen in the postseason. So like Eric said, there are some weaknesses there for the Braves. And I think the Phillies are one of the teams that could potentially uh, exploit those. So still, that's probably the most talented team in the NL. Uh, it, there's yeah. a good chance that lineup's just too good that nobody's able to outscore them in a series, especially if it goes long. Uh, like you said, DJ, if it gets into five, seven games, it's tough to beat that lineup every night. I agree. I think uh, I didn't say this, but um, I don't know if this price is out there anymore. Um, I, I, it was out there this morning, but uh, Acuna uh, to win World Series MVP 10 to 1 almost feels like a better bet than betting on the Brewers to win the World Series at less than 3 to 1. Um, yeah. I see some eights around. I was looking on DraftKings to see if I could find some tens left, but I, I really do like that price. Well, if they get there, he has to basically be the MVP, right? Exactly. Exactly. The reason why. Yes. Don't sleep on Matt Olson. Matt Olson, the most yeah. overlooked, I mean, more overlooked as a teammate than Freddie Freeman. Because at least people talk about Freeman and Betts together. I don't think anybody yeah. <laughs> talks about really what Olsen has has done. Um, yeah, listen, like I grew up in New York. I had Mets season tickets as a kid. Like I want teams to beat to beat the Braves right now. Um, <laughs> I I just kind of I can't I can't see it. Um, you know, I I have I guess I have the Rays and the Braves in the in the World Series and. Sure, I guess like we're talking about the Rays bullpen, and you know if you're getting really good, if you're getting A grade, Tyler Glass now, Zach Eflin, like m- maybe. Um, but I, in my gut, like I can't call that. I I just think the Braves are top to bottom a little better. All right, so you have your World Series pick out there in the ether, uh, George. What do you got? So I talked about the Astros earlier. I think I would take them and probably the Braves to reach it on the national league side. But I, I think I just like the Astros. If you're betting on the talent, um, I think they have a real shot. Brad, do you, are you ready to divulge your, your picks? Yeah. Yeah. I have uh, Astros over, I mean, Braves over Astros. Every part of me wants to, wants to, to, to have Tampa in the world series. Like, trust me, like, <laughs> but I, I, maybe I'm just hedging my happiness. Um, but I, I just can't do it with the Rays. So I'm going for a world world series rematch. Uh, Phillies Astros. Uh, and I think the Phillies take it this time. I, I think they're they are built for this small sample. Uh, they're a top heavy kind of team. They have the players you want in kind of these shorter series. Um, they proved it last year. I think they get the job done job done this time against a less superior Astros team, the version we saw last year. So uh, I also, sorry, I'm a Mets fan, so I cannot advocate <laughs> saying that the Braves are going to win World Series. Sorry. <laughs> Braves Twitter is going to be so mad at me, but I, I don't care. I'm actually you, kind of rooting for the Phillies, which is weird for me. But you just you got to you put it out there, so now everybody's under you're you're no, owning really, your bias. You're owning. I, your I'm, bias. I'm owning it, but I also think the Phillies are just so such a better value betting wise. Like I'm One, I'm all in 100 percent better value. Yeah, that I I will say like my even though I I'm picking the Braves, I do believe the Braves will win 
the World Series. You know, Brad has mentioned a few times. I don't. I'm not going to bet on it. At least not right now. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? You know, if they were to drop a few games or whatever, if the odds were to change, cool, fine. Um, You know, I might, I might place a bet. Uh, I'm still going to go, and you know, I'm I'm sure Brad will be up on this during the the season as well. But like, I'm still going to be up on my on player props and stuff. I I think there's still a lot of value in doing, you know, strikeout props and things of that nature. Um, So even though we've been talking about like bigger picture stuff here. You know, that's another angle people can go on, play the pitching advantages. You know, you can bet your first fives, things like that. Yeah, Brad, before we wrap it up here, uh, for people who are just getting into betting, especially in a postseason, MLB postseason, what are some things you should do and some things you shouldn't do? Um, I'd say my number one uh, thing to do is take advantage of the next game. And what I mean is of that is check out your pitching matchup, Check how the bullpens did the night before, how deep they've been going throughout the series. Do your homework. Uh, don't just bet a team based on the name. There's literal, there are so many literal nuances in, in betting baseball, but baseball is one of the better sports to attack the books because there's so much data. Literally any data point you need to know is there available to you on baseball. So do your homework and don't just bet to bet. I, I think those are two of my favorite things to do. I, I'm a big advantage better. Uh, where like against the twins, uh, the twins, one of the worst strikeout teams in, in baseball. And if you have a pitcher who is, is averaging something like seven per nine, seven Ks per nine, like don't be afraid to take him four ten 10 strikeouts, especially if he's going, if he, if, if he's going to get leash in the postseason against the twins and he's already at seven per nine. So he's probably, his line's going to be somewhere like five and a half ladder it up to 10, take your chances because at the end of the day, it's better to lose a half a unit on a five to one ticket than it is to lose a unit trying to, to win less than a unit back. Good call. Good stuff. Uh, thanks, you guys. Remember to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. You can actually find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Uh, check out the Rotor World Football Show. Uh, of course, every week they have three episodes Per week to wrap up the week that we just saw, to preview the week ahead, waiver wire pickups, all that good stuff. Definitely check out the Rotowall Football Show. Uh, check out Brad's work as well, your QA Saturday mornings uh, for college football. You guys do a great job. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already, or X, whatever we're calling it. Eric is at SamskyNYC. Brad is at Mr. Brad Thomas. George is at George Bissell. I'm at DJ Short. Take care, everyone. We will see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.